Hi everybody, the Complex PTSD guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist, I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD and I'm sharing my own ideas, experience, and opinions on this podcast. Um, I'm going to talk about one of the key symptoms of complex PTSD, another one, and this past week or so I've been discussing symptoms, and specifically I've been focusing on symptoms that I haven't always focused on as much. And that's why I've been trying to cover them just this past week because I've looked into them more and I learned a lot that I wasn't expecting because I basically had assumptions about them before. Um, so when you when I really started looking more into them, um, I read some things I wasn't expecting to find. Um, so one of these is intrusive thoughts. And to me, that's just a given um, when you have complex PTSD, of course you have intrusive thoughts. Um, but specifically when I Googled this, it says it describes it as intrusive thoughts are ideas and images that come to mind uninvited and typically unwanted. And that's a great way of putting it uninvited and unwanted and unwanted thoughts, ideas and images. Um, so like you could be, you know, having a birthday party, and, or maybe, you know, you're going to go do something that you absolutely love and there could just be something that really sets you off and it is this unwanted thought of, oh, I feel like an idiot or um, it could just be something that really, it sets you back or it puts you in like a funk and it just affects you a lot more than maybe it would just a normal person. Um and so I, I would say that that would be an example because you don't want a, a thought like that when you're, you think you're going to be doing something fun and happy, right? Um, or something that's going to make you happy. But uh, for complex PTSD, I think that this is a, a little bit more for us. So this is why it's a symptom is because our triggers... Um, and PTSD, it lingers, but our triggers really put our alarm bells in our brain on high alert. And so, you know, those alone can bring in a heavier level of intrusive thoughts. And so that's how I would put it. Um, you know, those uninvited and unwanted ideas and images. When you're coming from complex PTSD, it's just, I think, a heavier cloud maybe than it would be for the normal person. Um, and so, you know, for me, for example, one of my uninvited or unwanted thoughts is when I'm having feelings of like incompetence, I always go back to and the escape route, which is hurting myself. I've done this for over 20 years and it's always just a thought, you know, it's, you know, if you go see a counselor, they always say, do you have a plan or whatever? Um, and, but I always tell them it's just, it's just a, a coping mechanism. It's just a thought. Um, because I, you know, I mean, I have attempted that twice, but normally 99% of the time it's me thinking something. It's a certain way of thinking. Um, and it really is. That's what it is, is an escape route. It's, it's a quick fix is what it is. Um, having said that, I recently did do a podcast about euthanasia, um, particularly related to, um, 
you know, people who aren't technically terminally ill in the traditional sense, but mentally, emotionally, um, I think that there is almost a terminal illness, or I should just say there is a terminal illness that is just chronic sadness. Um, and eventually someday, I think that there will be uh, euthanasia for that. I really do. And I've actually been studying this. I did a podcast on this about the first week of December, I think. And I just saw on the news today, actually, and I'll try not to get off topic here, but um, it is one of my intrusive thoughts, is thoughts of harming myself. But um, I just saw on the news today that there was like a Canadian guy who was a former chef and he'd been assisting people with this. I'm pretty sure it was illegally. Um for one, I don't think he was any kind of a doctor, and I don't think it's legal in Canada to do that when someone's having chronic sadness or any type of like thoughts of just harming themselves without a terminal illness. Um, and then I saw another thing today that there's, again, a chef. So this guy was like a former chef, and now there's a woman who's a chef, and she hasn't worked, I guess, since the you know what the you know what virus took over the world a couple years ago and she's been chronically sick since then and it said on the news today that she's going to have herself euthanized um and i thought well this is interesting because when i did my podcast i think it was like december 2nd or december 9th just a like a week ago or something 10 days ago I said how I never see anything in this in the news. Nothing. I never see anything about it. I really haven't seen anything since Dr. Kevorkian back in the 90s and the Terry Schiavo case. Um, That's the only time I ever heard about euthanasia. And that was regarding terminally ill people. Um, That wasn't regarding what I'm discussing here. Um, But anything about that, you know, the word euthanasia, I just haven't heard anything about. And now all of a sudden I see something in the news about it. Um, you know, it's like, it's weird how, you know, I do a podcast about something like that. And then suddenly I see it when I had just said, I, I never see anything about it because it's something I've thought about a lot for years. Um, so, um, some other things that I had, uh, but I did find a really good book, by the way, there's a book called the future of assisted suicide and euthanasia. It's by a United States Supreme court justice. His name is Neil Gorsuch. Um, he was just put on the bench in like 2017 and, um, he actually is arguing very much pro life. So he's not for it in what I'm discussing in the manner I'm discussing. Um, so I'm interested to read his book. Um, it's interesting too, to see how cases are formed and how like passage of legislation takes place. Um, I recently was reading about some history that I've actually worked in before related to Illinois law and women becoming lawyers in the late 1800s. So like the first women lawyers, Myra Bradwell and Alta Hewlett. Um, I think, uh, well, I'll just say Alta and she was only like in her, I think her early twenties, maybe 20 years old when she did this because she passed away when she was 22. But in the 1800s, she um, she wasn't admitted to become a lawyer because she was a woman. Um, and then she worked towards passing legislation 
that would change that. So then once, you know, it was approved to become a law, then she could go and apply to become a lawyer and then she became a lawyer. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's about passing legislation. It's like that old, um, schoolhouse rock, uh, conjunction junction all those videos where they talk about uh i'm just a bill and the bill becomes a law i don't know if you've ever seen those i love those videos they're from like the 70s or something but it explains how a bill becomes a law anyway um but now i'm rambling but this does come off from um intrusive thoughts so getting back to my point here um and after i research this stuff by the way i do plan on contacting a local uh state legislator regarding that topic of euthanasia. So I'm, I'm somebody um, who's had the intrusive thought. I'll just throw this back on myself here. I'm someone who's had the intrusive thought of wanting to harm myself like a gazillion times. Um, and I've, I seek help for that, by the way. Um, I did back in uh, October when I had my accident. And I've been hospitalized for that too. I'm pretty open about that. When I was 21 years old, 20 years ago, I was hospitalized. Um, and I've, I've taught counseling for it, you know, over and over and over again. Um, so I feel like it's something that I, I'll always have with me. Um, you know, so maybe if there's some tiny, tiny little role that I can play in making, um, this type of thing more ethical and more understood. Um, you know, I also think that if you approach it, so like if I was going to email a state legislator about this topic, the argument that's running through my mind right now, um, interestingly, it relates to my interest in true crime because of a, a, a case that happened a year ago. The way that I would kind of go about pushing for it is pointing out that a lot of people who commit heinous crimes, so ending other people's lives, the people who commit those crimes, a lot of times are thinking of ending their own life. So in a way you could argue if these people had had that option, they might not have taken these other people's lives because this happens so much. Um, to someone even referred to when I was reading, they referred to like, uh, like mass murderers as violent suicides because a lot of times they end up taking their own lives. Um, and then they just go out, like they lose their minds and then they go out and do something like that. Well, maybe they wouldn't go out and do that if they had this option to ethically and, you know, be able to euthanize them go to a doctor and be euthanized. Like it sounds awful. It's something that a lot of people don't talk about, but think of all the people that wouldn't have been harmed. Right. I mean, there's lots of examples of this, by the way, lots, thousands of people have been affected by this. Um, you know, so it's, it's huge. Um, it's a really huge deal. And it's just something that a lot of people just don't talk about. Um, I, however, am quite comfortable discussing, suicide because I, I talk about, I've talked about it on here. Um, and you know, again, I seek help for, I'm not recommending anybody go out and do this. Um, obviously there is a, a national hotline number 988. Um, I've called that number numerous times. Um, 
and I'm currently in counseling. Like I, I called that number back in October and a woman there, when I called that number, she actually recommended I seek counseling. Um, and it's helping. It is helping. Um, but I also understand the chronic suffering and sadness that a lot of people go through. And, you know, it's almost like it's unethical in my mindset for someone to eventually do something so horrible to themselves. And there, it's just, it's left in a state of such dramatic self-harm. It's, it's really sad. Um, you know, um, barbaric in a way, but the way that it currently is now. Um, but if it could be done more ethically and with more understanding, um, and also there were, there would be all kinds of rules around how it would be done. Um, you know, your funeral arrangements would have to be made, um, plans with family, um, you know, maybe a grace period, you know, a six month period of try to rehabilitate yourself, make sure that this is something you really want to do. Obviously I would think people who have kids, your kids would have to be at least 18 or older before you as a parent would be allowed to do that because then you'd be abandoning your, your kids before their legal age. There's a lot of things that would have to go into, you know, a legislation related to this type of thing. Um, and it's a, it's like the most controversial topic talking matter in the whole world, the most controversial. Um, I mean, I just a little bit, I've been reading about it. Like, it's it's the most divisive controversial topic so you know i come from my own little perspective and i would make my own little argument and join whatever little groups there are out there and just make my my own little point from my own little world um you know that's what everybody does um unless they become some world leader or something but again so when i think of intrusive thoughts that's kind of the main one I think about. Um, you guys might be different. For me, that's that's been my go-to, sadly. Um, so maybe this is why all the subject matter is I find so interesting. Um, but some of the ones that just pop up online are intrusive thoughts can be like you fear something, you're anxious, you're overwhelmed. I think the biggest one that I can think of for complex PTSD is mind fog which is lack of focus. So like lack of focus is everywhere for complex PTSD. And I talk about that all the time. The word stress, um, stress is the key thing that is hindering everything. Um, you know, stress is the best word to describe it. So you like your grades in school, you're wanting to avoid situations in relationships, which affects everything in the relationship. Um, and I recently have done podcasts about that, but that word stress is that lack of focus. Um, and so those intrusive thoughts, you know, the best thing that I, I always recommend is I walk for focus, eating healthy, eating better. Um, I've actually eaten way too much sugar lately. Um, and sugar will give you like a little bit of a high and then you kind of come down from it. 
but there's certain foods that I know outside of sugar. If I eat certain foods, I feel extremely sluggish and depressed. So like if I eat foods, um, so like for me, like a nacho cheese, I really shouldn't eat nacho cheese or even just melted cheese like on chips because I feel really lethargic um, after I eat that. Um, so, you know, that would be something that's something that like uh, would create a lack of focus for me. Um, so, f- so your diet is huge in regards to intrusive thoughts. Um, so having a, a better focus, you know, make, make sure you know what it is you're eating and how it's going to affect you. Um, but I just wanted to share a little bit about this. Um, again, I would recommend, recommend exercise and maybe looking at what you're eating and eating healthier. Um, I notice whenever I eat, um, one thing I like to get is mandarin oranges, like in a can and I put them into a Tupperware container and then the next day, um, or throughout the week, I just eat a little bit of those oranges just any time of day, really. Um, it's really better in the morning or the afternoon, but I always feel more alive and I feel like my mind is mentally clear and fresh after I've eaten those mandarin oranges because whenever they're in the Tupperware container in the fridge, they're going to be a little bit chilled, like a little bit cool. And so they're nice and cool and refreshing. Um, they always make me feel better though, whenever I eat those. Um, I would say a lot of fresh fruit is like that. Um, just eating something that's fresh, uh, like a, a cold, maybe even like a type of salad or something, but, um, cantaloupe, a lot of fresh fruits really, I think make people feel better. Um, and drinking like a really healthy type of a drink, I think can really spruce you up. Even if it's just a glass of orange juice, which by the way, that's one of the best things to fight, um, if you do get another strain of the you-know-what virus, um, it really helps you fight it off because you have that vitamin D and C in your body. Um, orange juice is like one of the best things you can drink. But I just want to share a little bit of this. And again, um, I know I went a little longer than what I normally like to do, but for me, intrusive thoughts, yeah, that's that's the big one I go. That's where my mind goes. Um, and again, I just think it's a part of, you know, major depressive disorder, which I was diagnosed with when I was in my twenties. Um, I just think it's a big part of all this, you know, the helplessness, the sorrow. Um, so that's a big part of, you know, big part of my life has been thoughts like that. It's why I think I was always drawn to like Vincent Van Gogh. When I was in college in my early years, I took art classes and we actually got to go see Vincent Van Gogh's paintings in Chicago. It was really cool. They actually had some of his work, um, that was never going to be seen again. And it was going to be put in like a castle in Switzerland or something. Um, but you know, he's somebody that probably would have benefited from euthanasia if he could have, you know, done it in a, a more ethical way. He wouldn't have had to hurt himself. Like you obviously go through pain when you do something like that. Um, but um, and there's, there's so many people, I think of all the actors, um, you know, and again, victims of people who lose it and then take it out on society. 
there's a lot of reasons I think, you know, this could benefit society in an ethical way. Um, but anyway, that's what I think of when I think of intrusive thoughts. And again, if that is something that you're struggling with, I don't encourage anybody, obviously, to harm themselves. Um, you know, I, I'm talking about something, this would be something in the future um, that would be legalized and you would do with a doctor and it would be a process, you know, um, but I don't recommend anybody to harm themselves. Um, and if you're having any thoughts like that, 988 is a national hotline number for that. Um, I'm just discussing laws that might be in place in the future. Um, anyway, so again, um, intrusive thoughts are a big one. And I just decided to share one of mine that's super personal. Um, I probably won't talk much about this in the coming months. Um, but I am going to study this more. I'm going to read this book by Justice Gorsuch and, um, you know, see what the debates are and what his talking points are and um, different viewpoints. I like hearing all the different viewpoints from all these different books and articles. And his book obviously has really good footnotes in it. Um, so this is what he wrote his thesis about, uh, whenever he, I think he graduated from Oxford. So this is what he wrote about, which I wasn't expecting, by the way, I had no idea that he had ever written about this until just a week or so ago. Um, but I'll go ahead and end that here. This is the complex PTSD guy signing off.